This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, do you like wrestling? Professional wrestling, perhaps? I like professional wrestling. I think Chris likes professional wrestling. This is Shake Them Ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins, joined as always by Christopher Robin Novembrino, named, of course, for the AA Milne character. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Uh, got anything for banter, or should we just get into it? <laughs> No, no, the the ban the story I told I said I had to tell you is like totally it's too long to do on air. Nah, nah. Let's really? uh, yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, it's like not good on air ban I don't feel like okay. I, I mean yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, so much for that. Well, no, <laughs> you can you can hear it on Don't Worry About the Government. I I actually do it on, on Don't Worry About the Government. I just feel like it's too it's oh, it's that's slightly- such a great crossover plug. I'm so yeah, proud it of is. you. I'm yeah, no, for- which you can find it, you know, don't worry about TV, patreon.com slash DWATG. But it is like it, it, it was a kind of, sort of political. And we I always try to draw a line on that stuff gotcha. here. Thank you all for your stromboli tips. You <laughs> come through It's like uh, if you want good stromboli, go here. It's like, oh, next road trip. I will. Uh, we are sponsored this week by mybookie.ag. More about them later. Attention must be paid. Rest in peace. Reggie Parks. Belt creator, 87 years old, died from COVID complications, most notably responsible for designing the Winged Eagle belt of the WWE World Championship, belt famously worn by Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, also designed the WCW Heavyweight Championship belt, the classic Intercontinental title belt. I I liked his designs on tag belts quite a bit. Uh, I remember it was like the uh, mid, mid to late 80s tag team belts for WWF I thought were quite good i don't have a lot if, if you go into uh conrad thompson's feed he has pictures of all the belts that reggie parks was responsible for but that dude <laughs> responsible for a lot of fandom for a lot of people a lot of people like that winged eagle or as i said winged eagle belt um any thoughts on reggie parks and his belt creations yeah i i think that Reggie Parks is one of these names that is actually more important for people's fandoms than they realize because mm-hmm. people really latch onto the belts. Uh, you know, I, I think to like, as about eight, nine years ago now, but like there, there was one NBA championship team where they went out and they all bought heavyweight title belts and stuff like yeah. pe- the thing, like even after Normie's, eschew watching wrestling like then they leave the watching wrestling part of their life they still like the belt component of professional wrestling and the way that professional wrestling does belts and i feel like the belts that you mentioned the classic wwf intercontinental title the winged eagle belt um like the big gold belt for wcw like those make certain impressions in people's minds and you know, uh, I I think that 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 actually has a pretty big impact, and those guys go as like unsung heroes. I am still Mister Big Gold Belt. I do not own any title belts, uh, which people find unusual. It's just it was never my thing, and it was always seemed like too much of an investment and too nerdy. But I have friends who like 
are lapsed fans, but they still like my friend Jarvis, I believe still has an intercontinental title with the white strap that he hangs at his cubicle at work. <laughs> just go, okay, that's kind of cool. Kind of awesome. It was just, it was just never a thing for me. I, I don't, uh, I don't know why, but I, I loved his designs after see, if you look at all the pictures of them, it's like he went for more of the classiness rather than the pizzazz type thing like okay well we're on the topic what do you think of this tbs championship that they unveiled on uh on dynamite on wednesday not gonna be saving up money to buy one anytime <laughs> soon <laughs> okay that was a little more direct than i was expecting but uh yeah i i, I don't like i for some reason i don't like the idea of titles being named after the networks that they're on i just in case they like change network somewhere down the road or uh what what's yours you look like you're waiting for something no i mean you basically nailed it like what dream does it spark in my head to own the tnt title i got a title title. with with a logo of a network on it It, it's like (laughs) it's like divorcing itself from the sport of it and you're like yeah you're like now back into the this is a network television show rather than a federation that you win big titles in and that you know i I mean like it's the way that they used to pitch wrestling is like you know uh, this guy used to do boxing but now he's in the real big leagues he's in wrestling yeah yeah yeah. and and i think that the belts go a long way to selling that sort of sport presentation i really liked the nwa television title of the uh mid to late 80s i thought that that might be a title you know the red belt with the red strap i always thought that was kind of a cool little belt. yeah I, I and, like and the television title is an elegant way of sort of having your foot in the door as like this is a network tv show but also still talking about this as like a sovereign promotion that has a television relationship with the network yeah, so it the, makes the show seem more like a peer yeah the, the history of the television belt was always that you know the important stuff happens on the house shows this is your chance to have a main event match on TV. And this guy's going to defend this title on every type of thing. And I, I, I still like the idea of that. Although AEW will not be doing house shows. I don't think anytime soon, they do some here and there on big pay-per-view weekends, but I, I just, you know, even if it's encrusted in diamonds and it's blue diamonds for the TBS title, it's still, it's like doing the, uh, you know, here's the Coca-Cola championship. And it's like, that doesn't, that doesn't resonate with me in terms of a sporting title. And and, and that's no offense to anybody who's going to end up holding this title or the TNT championship. I think secondary titles are a necessity, a necessity. That's the word you're looking for Hawkins to, to get, to get more fans involved in, in the promotion and to root for, you know, more title big time matches. I, I just, I, the marketing of it while I like, no, the I, I think is, here's the point. Like, like the intercontinental title evokes a certain sort of mystique to it. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, this guy goes around all over these different continents and defends this title, but the world title is defended like all over the world or whatever, like the intercontinental title. It's essentially the intermediate title, yeah, and, but and you the, found a classier way of saying intermediate and the secondary mistake that was then put on it back in the eighties and nineties of it being the workman's belt with the exception, maybe of honky tonk man. It, it, yeah. It's uh, it's one of those things where it can take on a life of its own. I just, uh, and I don't know that the name, the TNT title or the TBS title lends itself to evoking that like, 
workman's rate thing like you know i i just i don't 10 years from now i don't picture going like i want to be one of those great tbs champions yep bobby fish officially signed by aew a deal per dave Meltzer, the wrestling observer helped brokered by the young bucks there was a relationship there because look the fish and o'reilly were stalwarts of pro wrestling gorilla especially when i was going there i like bobby fish a lot i just I don't see a lot of, I mean, unless he's going to be put in a tag team, I don't see a lot of upside in terms of he's not going to be in the big programs, but I could see him being a solid part of a stable or something, but this is a lot like signing the other guy in a tag team in many ways to me, even though that match with Sammy was really, really good. I'm I'm not going to take anything away from Bobby Fish's talent. He's not the most dynamic promo in the world to me, but I liked the video package they did for him. I just, if, if he could find a different tag team partner and be kind of an ass kicking grizzled veteran type of tag team in this, in this AEW tag division, I think it's sorely needed. I think, I think you need that, need that other FTR fits the bill. But it's nice to have a second team that's kind of like that, too. Kind of a rough and tumble tag team to get the uh, flippy-doo guys and be a base for them. Yeah, I would like to see Bobby Fish tag up with Kazarian. Ooh. That, yeah. That's that's nice. I like that. I didn't even think of him. He wasn't even on my radar of people that I was thinking about. But that, that'd be a nice little team, I think. Yeah. I, 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 so I think there's a role for him. I think you're right. Like, this isn't like push Bobby fish to the main event or, <laughs> you know, make Bobby fish, the TNT champion or something like that. No, I, I think that this is Bobby fish's role is exactly what you described. And I think, uh, unless you're like the biggest Bobby fish fan in the world, uh, you're going to be fairly happy. Is and there not a biggest Bobby fish fan in the world? That's my question. Do you Bobby think- fish has a mother, probably <laughs> other members of Bobby's family. Is it the person who framed Robert Fish? That's the question. It, it, who framed Robert <laughs> who framed Fish? Robert Fish, you know. I, <laughs> I know that oh, you know what? He probably listens to the show too. It's probably that fan probably listens to the show. I'm I'm Bobby Fish's biggest fan. Why why are you making fun of me? <laughs> We're not. We're not making one, fun one, of me. One one sad tear goes down yes. that that fan's face. <laughs> the meet and greet. There's that one guy who yeah, I get to meet Bobby Fish. Just quietly <laughs> singing Bobby Fish's theme song to himself. <laughs> Look, everybody has that fan. It, 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 they do. Every every wrestler you can think of has that super fan, and there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mean to shame them. It just sounded funny to me that Bobby Fish's biggest fan. What? Uh, old names in new places. Ken Doan, who wrestled as Kenny Dykstra, only 35, by the way, and Allison Danger, 44, the sister of Steve Carino, have been hired as new coaches for the new NXT 2.0. Ken Doan is interesting. I saw him when he got uh, cut after the whole Spirit Squad thing. I saw him at that wrestling retribution project that never got underway but like a bunch of guys. Chris Masters was part of it. Fergal Devitt was originally supposed to be part of it. Uh, Pack was in there, uh, Ricochet, I believe, Ken, uh, Machine Gun, Carl Anderson, just a bunch of guys who's who doing different gimmicks. And he looked great. And they took a couple years off. 
to go back to college and then started to do indies around and looked great too. Had that short run when the spirit squad were brought back into SmackDown for a few weeks, thought they may do something with him there. Now he's only 35 and he's coaching. Look, I don't know. I think Allison danger is a good pickup. She was always solid uh, on the female indies and would probably be a great help to the young people there. I just, Man, it, it, I don't know if it's a tragedy or not, and I never judge teachers by how their careers went because you could have low-level guys be the best teachers in the world, and you can have guys like, I'll give you an example. I'm, I'm not sure Shawn Michaels is the best coach in the world. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I just think guys who are superstars, who are elite talents and stuff like that, much like let's say when you get elite quarterbacks who end up becoming general managers of teams, they're more often looking for themselves than actually looking at the guys that they're coaching and coaching them up to be the best them they can be. So uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see how they do in, in the system. Yeah. I think that teaching and doing are different skill sets. I know there's that, tired adage of those who can't do teach but like the reality is also that most of many of those who do are actually very bad at explaining things yes yeah and so like yeah they can do stuff at a high level uh, but they can't actually explain how or why they do those things and pass on that knowledge in any sort of tangible way. Uh, and so like, like in improv, some of the most, some of the best coaches aren't necessarily the most dynamic players in the world, but they're the people who think about it and have broken it down and have, you know, what they believe to be good improv and can explain that to young up and comers and things like that. It's not to say that good improvisers can't coach, but they're, I mean, I Presenting most- information is just a different skill set yes. than executing information and understanding and analyzing information is a different skill set than executing information. It, 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 they are, they are not mutually exclusive, mm-hmm. but just because you can do one doesn't mean you can do the other. And so I, you know, I, I I, I think about that one a lot. Like, you know, how do you pass on stuff? Um, oftentimes it's the stuff that you know sort of intuitively. That's the hardest to systematize in a way that you can explain to someone else. Mickey Bella signed on to be a judge on the new NBC show America's Got Talent Extreme, <laughs> along with Travis Pastrana and Simon Cowell. That's an interesting threesome. <laughs> That the show will showcase more outrageous acts than the regular show. More outrageous acts than America's Got Talent? You're kidding me. I, I want know. I want them to go against type here. And I want Simon Cowell to be the nice one and Nikki Bella to be the one who gives the scathing, <laughs> brutally realistic takes on every one I'm of the acts. I'm bored by this. Get out of my way. Listen, you you haven't worked on this at all. You you clearly are pitchy. This act is is under thought, and you need to rehearse a lot more. Simon Cowell's like, I don't know, man. I think we need to let him through. The show will be shot on location and not on a theater stage, which just means we're gonna put the prissy Englishman in outdoor settings. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, good for her. And more TV news, because this is everything. We got old faces and new places. Adam Share, the former Braun Strowman, probably awaiting debuting an impact, has been hired by NBC Sports Network as an analyst. 
He'll be doing the Mr. Olympia contest and world arm wrestling championship. I think that's a pretty good hire. No, th- that's, that's a great hire. And this is a good move for Braun Strowman uh, to, to rebuild himself as the guy that he really should be understood to be, which is like this, you know, big, strong guy, you know, yeah. big, strong man. The, the work, the guy who competed in strongman competitions could do, I believe he also did some arm wrestling professionally. Don't quote me on that though, but uh, I think that's an interesting choice. And I think he actually, if, if you've watched videos, like the ones that he EC three and uh, Drake Maverick used to do, he has personality in him. He's not just, <laughs> I'm not an idiot. <laughs> the Shane McMahon thing just killed him in wwe but i, I do think he you have... think i'm stupid speaking of guys with underrated charisma dean mutati the former mojo raleigh has a new job as the co-host as tmz sports on fs1 he's also part of now the levitard crew over at metal arc media he's been doing some drop-ins with them because he's friends with the gronkowski family so he's been he and chris gronkowski have been doing bits for him and I just watched his, I, I wouldn't call it a shoot tape, but it's close. Uh, he and Chris Hero re- recently sat down for an interview, and that was a lot of fun. I I like the guy. I like Mojo Raleigh a lot. I mean, the, the gimmick he was doing in NXT was cringe, but, man, he was learning. He was getting better. He was never going to be a superstar with the hype thing, but I, I think they just never – gave him the chance that he was due on the main roster. And I'm kind of, I think co-host of, of a sports show. He's a smart dude. I think, I think it'll work for him. Yeah. I always liked Mojo Raleigh. I I'm with you. I, I didn't think the get hype, stay hype gimmick was going to get him anywhere necessarily, but I, there's a lot of intensity there, a lot of fire there. Uh, and a level of charisma and energy. That's hard to teach. Uh, like he, he, he does work at a bigger level than a lot of people do. And that's, that's one of those things that's hard, hard to teach. So like, I, I hope in a way he's not done with wrestling. Cause I'd like to see him take another crack at it at some point. I, I do too. I'd like to see him maybe not impact, but like a ring of honor, hell a, a AEW dark match. I think wouldn't be that bad for him. Maybe even MLW taking a shot there. You know, one of these smaller promotions that needs a guy. And I'd like to see him completely rework his image. You know, just uh, not not be an ultimate warrior ripoff type thing, but maybe, you know, have a little bit of, uh, like, use his real-life brains. I mean, the guy has an MBA from the University of Maryland. He's not a slouch. He walked, I believe he walked onto that football team too. So he has the work ethic. So I, I'd, I'd like to see him repackaged somehow. Ronda Rousey has a new show on ESPN Plus called Rowdy's Place, where she talks to different combat sports stars, including, I believe, hockey hockey enforcers, because she has one of those up there from uh, the LA Kings. There will be at least two episodes on pro wrestling during season one. One will be Kurt Angle, who, as you might recall, won a gold medal with a broken friggin' neck. And the other will be on ECW. This one's interesting. I don't find Ronda Rousey to be a compelling media presence at all. I think she's, she, she, and uh, who would I liken her to Danica Patrick, who, who, who is kind of trying to grow a podcast brand. Now, those two were so hyper-focused athletes that their personalities were all through their sports. And so they don't seem to me to be compelling interviewers other than, Hey, 
you're a high level athlete. I'm a high level athlete. We're both intense. Let's talk about that for a while. Yeah. So this actually, I think almost gets back to the teaching thing, right? Like you can perform at a high level, but just because you can perform at a high level doesn't mean that you can present at a high level. So you might've had a very interesting life driving race cars and doing all these things in car racing world or in mixed martial arts world. But you might not be particularly good at telling a story or understanding like the ebbs and flows of a conversation, how to make that good. And an editor, of course, like, and all these people will be heavily edited and, you know, coddled well by their editors. An editor can smooth that out a little bit, but at the end of the day, if you're not that interesting on a microphone, you're just not that interesting on a microphone. It's hard to teach someone how to be able to like, listen to what someone else says and come up with a quick joke on the fly or something like that. You either have that or you don't. And that's, that's hard to teach. Even if you're a good teacher, I think I have that, but sometimes the comments tell me different. (laughs) I never read the comments. I never read the comments. Exactly. And we'll end the news with the WWE draft wrapped up this week. Draft talk winners. I love your phone calls. 1-800-SHAKE-ROPES. 1-800-SHAKE-ROPES. Chris from San Bernardino. Hello. Yeah, Jeff, uh, first time, long time, as in a long time host, first time calling into the show that I host. Uh, I, I wanted to say that I think that SmackDown really got their ass handed to them here in this draft. Raw walked away with all the talent. All SmackDown's got is Roman Reigns, Cesaro, uh, the Prince Devitt guy and, and the Usos. And um, I, I love Carmella. Thanks. I'll, I'll listen to my response off the air. <laughs> the best thing about living in LA is, uh, is, is Laker draft talk or Laker trade talk where it's like, Hey, can we fool that other team and, and send our crap players for their best? <laughs> it's just every year because it worked one time with Pau Gasol. Now, now it's like, Hey, maybe we can trick trick the Sixers and they'll send us Ben Simmons. It'll be great. Um, notes, news and notes from the, from the draft that, uh, that, that interested me. Yeah. It looks like SmackDown is going to be a tough show. It's going to be a tough watch for a lot of reasons. It doesn't have a bad roster. It just doesn't have a lot of star power up top. And it's mostly the women up top that star power right now. It's, it's Charlotte Flair and Sasha Banks. I don't know how long you can put those two together. In, in a feud, if you want to keep them apart, but Shayna Baszler's there, Tony Storm's there, although after tonight, who knows what the hell they're going to do with Tony Storm, losing in, what, two minutes and ten seconds to... <laughs> My God. <laughs> that, that Queen of the Ring thing is is a damn train wreck, but let's, let's talk about a little draft here. No women's tag teams are left standing, as they've all been broken up. Street Profits were almost broken up, almost got that... Uh, got that uh, victory lap but they changed their mind at the last minute who were broken up gender screw as shanky and gender mahal go to smackdown while veer is left on raw which is weird tegan and shotzi got broken up tegan going to raw shotzi staying on smackdown mason t-bar are your team of choice they got broken up just weird but you know what there is the chance on raw to have keith lee keith bearcat lee and uh, the former, <laughs> what was his name? Do- Donovan Dijak, Dominic Dijak, whatever his name, Dijakovic. I always. Dijakovic. Dijakovic. 
T-bar. <laughs> uh, they could always become a team, but yeah, this this SmackDown brand has a lot of good guys who are just they're no longer names worth pursuing upper level ricochet Carrillo, angel garza they put they they kept the new day broken up for some reason ridge holland eh, might it might be a good addition but i'm surprised they didn't bring pete dunn with him congratulations on your new contract pete stay down in the in the minors uh you know corbin and madcap <laughs> The, the Viking Raiders are here. Mansoor and uh, Ali were moved over here. And then the other shocking thing to me was, if you're going to make a big deal out of Gable Stevenson being drafted, maybe not so low. <laughs> I think he was like one of the last picks of the night. It's like, oh my God, this was a huge thing. No, <laughs> you drafted him on like the second night of the draft or the last night of the draft towards the end there. It's like, okay. It's all right. Uh, people moved over to Raw. I think Commander Aziz is the big loser here because he's on the same roster as Omos. And there's only going to be one giant on this roster that's dominant. And I don't think it's going to be Aziz, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Drake Maverick, T-Bar, Tamina, The Miz, Veer, Zelina Vega, Carmella was put over here. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, uh, your thoughts. I think McIntyre's over on SmackDown now, right? Yes, it's going to be Roman and Drew McIntyre. Yeah, it's going to be Roman and Drew McIntyre, and then I think eventually you get a Cesaro program with Roman too. But like when you're the maybe the only winner on the SmackDown roster that I can immediately see is potentially Cesaro. Um, They might try to do another push with him, but like Bloom's off the rose with that guy. Long long time. We got the new day here, and we got Hit Row. I mean, we have a pretty the good new tag- day without Big E is not the new day. You're right. You're right. And- they got a pretty good tag division though in SmackDown. If they want, <laughs> yeah, no SmackDown. I, I mean, like, like, like with the two angles here are they might do a lot of women's wrestling and they might do a lot of tag team wrestling. Those are the two things that we know WWE is really, really good at. So oh, I'm yeah. looking forward <laughs> to seeing the, this point of emphasis show that they'll be coming out you know, with here on Friday. There's two things that WWE is known for. It, it's their, it's their depth of their women's angles. All they women let the women, they let the women, women really work and really kind of explore their various styles. And, and every woman has a very different style. That's one thing about the WWE match. And, Same thing with the tag teams. You know, like these guys. The ta- yes, their care of the tag team division. What they are known for. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, that's, that's the draft talk. Uh, before we get into the lazy river of wrestling criticism, do our ad read today absolutely jeff today's episode is sponsored by my bookie with over five hundred thousand dollars in contest prize money up for grabs the nfl is back in action and so is winning season at my bookie head to mybookie.ag to choose from a variety of boosts and free bets and get in on the fan favorite one hundred thousand dollar super contest which only costs ten dollars to enter Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at mybookie.ag and use the promo code 
ropes, mm-hmm. ropes to instantly double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using the promo code ropes, ropes. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Thank them for our sponsorship. We thank them <laughs> for our to... sponsor, or we thank we thank them for sponsoring us. Yes, I forgot to tell Chris the code. <laughs> it just says code. It, promo code. <laughs> promo code. Oh, the lazy river of wrestling criticism. What is this, kids? If you've never listened to the show, welcome. This is Shake Them Ropes. Uh, there's so much wrestling content out there that we no longer do television reviews. We just pick and choose stuff we liked until we get bored or until we're just completely out of things to talk about. So this is what this is. I will start because the best thing I saw this week, I'm going to put over Serena Deeb. I love me some Serena Deeb. Serena Deeb is fantastic. You want to know why, Chris? Because people want to cheer her and she's going to have none of it. And I love every second of it. She did this on the pre-show in that match with Thunder Rosa uh, for the NWA women's title. She did that here with Hikaru Shida or Hikaru, depending on how you say it. I, <laughs> uh, I, I said it like, uh, I said it like Dasha does. Dasha says it Hikaru. Uh, I, it's probably Hikaru. <laughs> Oprah, <laughs> Oprah, Uma, Oprah. I loved this. I love her embracing the Dean Malenko gimmick woman of a thousand holds i love that she is just nasty in terms of submissions and working over a body part i love that she came out and immediately said she, i'm gonna be the heel she took that chair threw her back under the ring it was great and i loved the postscript of her taking the award and braining she in the head with it afterwards and then doing her namaste pose yeah, because she does yoga. That's been her entire thing the whole time. She is a fantastic heel. And this was the best thing I think I saw all week. Yeah, I agree. I, I really enjoyed Serena Deeb in this match. I think, you know, you clearly see her taking mannerisms from Dean Malenko, the blue color scheme. You get like getting the ice woman sort of thing with. Ooh, uh, I'd yeah. like that if they made her the ice woman. It, well, like they, they've really been like Dean Malenko gave her the blessing and stuff and the work in the limbs and stuff is increasingly Malenko-esque. And with that is a soft heel persona. Like, like the, she's a heel and she's icy and like she used the eye rig. So like she's definitely like leaning into it. I mean, it's not so subtle messaging at this point. She is a heel. It's just, just not like an extremo heel yet, but uh, definitely clearly on the heel side of the roster. Sheeta, for her part, I thought looked pretty good in this match too. Um, I, I kept thinking, man, if Sheeta had a gimmick that was like a little bit more accessible, because I don't like I look at Sheeta's gimmick right now, and I'm not really sure what Sheeta is supposed to be. Um, there's a lot of early stage Bailey in Sheeta, which worries me a bit. I'm here for the fans and I'm here to do my best. And that's it. And she's like big enough and like, like yeah. she's big enough that like, I, I could just see her as like, you know, an ass kicker. And yeah. I'm, I'm kind of here for her as an ass. I kind of want to see her lose it with the kendo stick. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but, but I feel like we're closer. I like this updated look more than some of her other looks. Um, mm-hmm. So like, like, I feel like, it's it's a step in the right direction, but we're not we're not quite there. But like I I, I like the new deep character a lot. I, I think it's good. 
Your turn, sir. Um, okay, so I guess I am going to talk about ooh, man. Um all right, uh, Daniel Garcia and CM Punk. Let's just do that one. I was gonna, I was gonna save it, but if I'm blanking, I might as well play the card now. Yeah. I like, I liked Daniel Garcia and CM Punk. I thought this was pretty good. You know, Daniel Garcia reminds me of like a young Bob Backlund. Ooh, okay. Yeah, like, like there's a like, like it, it, he's not quite, especially with the promo he did tonight at like CM Punk. There's a little bit of, like Mr. Backlund, slightly diluted thing going on with Daniel Garcia and I, and I liked the character and I thought like this match was just like a really nice solid well-worked match uh Punk uh for his part he is a I feel like he's better now uh than he was like at the tail end of his last run like even like the last year like he was having kind of mediocre so-so matches in the last 12 months of his last run so i guess that'd be like eight years ago i i think this is this is a better version of cm punk he thinks about matches differently now he uses more of the mma and stuff because of the mma training like he's just doing different things now i i think what's really helped him quite a bit is the fact that he doesn't have to do the pattern the wwe pattern he can do a different match against different kinds of opponents yes he can do a, a straight grapple f type match here with Daniel Garcia. And I think it's weird because it felt like at first they had to win over the crowd a little bit with it. And I think they got there with a little bit more of the hard hitting, but yeah, I liked this. I didn't, I didn't love it, but I liked it. And I liked, I did love the ending. I love the Anaconda vice being the finisher, as opposed to just doing the go to sleep over and over. I know people wanted to go to sleep. Uh, I also need a knucklehead battle between 2.0 and the acclaimed. I, I just do. I think the two of those teams need to get it on a bit. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see Garcia be a little bit more on top of Punk, I think. I think Punk needed to show a little bit more ass here. Just a little bit, because he is he's the he's the veteran coming back and, and still getting his sea legs a bit while Garcia is this killer. And Garcia's had a hell of a week this week. He had to face Punk, Alex Shelley, and then this weekend I believe he he faces both um Davey Richards and Minoru Suzuki. So he's having a hell of a wrestling week. And I, I, I love the gimmick. I want a little bit more. I, I guess I'd put Ron Garvin in him, you know, just, just kind of be a little bit more sadistic about the whole thing. Yeah. I, I mean, the one thing I would have liked to have seen him do more is like uh, target something, a punk a little bit more. Um, and, but other than that, I'm going to go over to the WWE for my next thing. And it's going to be about Becky Lynch. Big time Bex is a fine gimmick for her. If she wants to do it, if she wants to, if she wants to dress like something out of Elton John's wardrobe, I'm here for this. I'm good with it. The, the man comes back to blank city is a babyface line and it's killing the heel aura about her. And that's the problem. The problem is she's the smart alky heel. She's the smarmy heel. She's the stone cold quote unquote heel where she's look at these two dopes type of thing and, and she's I, not I, showing enough ass yes, during any of them yeah she never shows that rarely show like the one time it was when she had her little orange lassity moment yeah other than that <laughs> one the orange lassity moment she has not shown any ass and and when she even gets kicked by charlotte it's by another heel so it's not even a baby face who is delivering comeuppance onto becky at this point 
yeah, I think I think they've bailed on the heel thing with her. I do. When, when, when she goes over to Raw, she's going to be getting huge babyface pops. But they also do this with Roman. Roman did the same thing. It's San Jose acknowledged me. And they most people cheered, but you heard a smattering of boos. Now, the one time Becky did show a little bit of ass was in the beatdown where when uh, when Bianca gave her the 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 kill shot. I want it's not the kill shot. KOD. The KOD. Thank you. I knew it started with a K on her and and and, and the lovely Sasha Banks. <laughs> I did like the disco ball thing. That's. That's a pretty good line. That's a heel-to-heel line. I, I can allow that, but Bianca was getting ground up by those two. Those two have such more presence than Bianca right now, and I feel kind of I'm a little frightened. I mean, thank God she's not going to be on the same show with Charlotte, who would just talk down to her in every promo once she goes to Raw, but I don't know. Can, can, can Bianca be the top woman on Raw? I don't know that I have seen that yet and i definitely don't think that she has shown that to wwe management Mm -hmm. they don't trust her in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks we hype ourselves up thinking "Ah, maybe i can pull a ken griffey jr rookie card but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates it's all just a shot in the dark until now introducing slab packs from arena club The only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voice of wrestling podcast 
Network. Your move. Uh, my move. Um, I okay. Let us talk about Jade Cargill. Okay. She's not good. Uh, this little this little match with Sky Blue was, was an attempt to kind of continue to cover this up, but uh, that pump kick tonight, um, she didn't get it over her hips. Um, like like she 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 just needs work. And if they're gonna do a big push with Jade Cargill, um. Maybe she's got something else in the tank and she's going to really surprise us. But uh, like what they did, though, was short and sweet. And that part was perfect. They had no that part should have been crushed. They're covering up things. They're covering up things. But I I guess as a trained watcher, I saw Sky Blue doing all the work in that match. And Jade Cargill, even in the limited amount of work being handed off to her, you know, getting through getting through she's got the character down the 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 meme that she got last week of flipping the bird to the guy holding the sign that's great um but at the end of the day this is a thing that's done inside the four ropes and uh, she's and you can't do that. 30 second squashes forever no right like how do i give you a main event push like as the the like the women's champion or something and you the best you can deliver is like maybe a six and a six and a half minute match with a lot of smoke and mirrors yeah okay i'm gonna go to nxt 2.0 tony d'angelo debuted i'm not gonna say he's a great wrestler by any means he is green as goose crap as as the southerners like to say that said, there's something there, Chris, that I really like. He has character down. The bribing of the ref <laughs> on a squash match, just in case, he has good throws. He has good amateur-type throws, like the, the gut-wrench suplexes, those types of things. It's going to be a rough It's going to be a rough road a little bit here, but I liked him. I didn't hate him as much as I thought I would. And a lot of these guys are starting to grow on me. Braun Breaker, of course, has grown on me. The the Creed brothers have grown on me. I watched that squash from 205 while I was waiting for you. Love those guys. The Diamond Mine promo video was great. Uh, Wayne Bloom's kid still is a charisma vacuum which is disappointing in so, so many ways. Oh, me. man. No, putting him and Kyle O'Reilly Good against Lord. each other, that's the no charisma theater. It's like my new Rey Mysterio family theater thing. It's O'Reilly and, and Vaughn Wagner, like, having, like, a love, like, affair thing. You know, oh, look, can we ever be friends? I don't know, man. I've been so hurt. I want to <laughs> be your friend. Yeah, but you don't know the year that I've had. Okay, but I still want to be your friend, and I respect you. Well, let's talk later. That's so good. I feel bad for interrupting it with a laugh, but, the, but you just got me with the, I don't know, I've been so hurt. <laughs> I'm in touch with my feelings right now, Chris. Listen, Vaughn, you're a nice guy, and it's nice that you're being nice to me, but other people have been nice to me, and they turned out to be not nice. But you got to understand, I have dreams. I got to go out there. 
<laughs> Listen, Vaughn, as a father. As wait. a father. <laughs> who, who gave me raised cue cards? Quick, the Kyle bought 3,000. It's become self-aware. Get it back. Get the chips in there. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. I want to be your friend. <laughs> If someone came up to you and said that like that, and you just kind of go, oh, my God, I have a stalker. Von Wagner is a stalker. That's what it is. I want to be your friend, Kyle. I want to. Kyle, I don't. I want to be there for you. I won't be ignored, Kyle. Like. <laughs> Go little close and fatal attraction. <laughs> Chris has muted himself because he's laughing. Yeah, yeah no, I, I just didn't want to like laugh all over it, but uh, yeah, no, I. I... <laughs> Dude, he's... please do that this week. Go up some stranger and go. I want to be your friend, uh, Kyle. I, Kyle. I, I, I really respect you, and I want to be your friend, really Kyle. Sell it. <laughs> Way to sell it. <laughs> uh, all right. I got to I gotta pick something out here. Um, NXT UK. You know what? I kind of actually enjoyed this Heritage Cup match. Yeah, it was fun, but it, it was like, I like Noem Dar. And yeah, I like the heel versus heel dynamic and Noem Dar and Wolfie. I, I, I think Wolfie is a fun character to watch at times. He makes a good underdog, right? Yes. Like they, they, there's like something endearing about Wolfie that like like he can be kind of an instant baby face and he works as sort of like this underdog sort of guy. Um no, I, I liked that. Uh otherwise NXT UK absolute nothing show this week. I'm here for Ginny and, and uh Mako though. Yeah, yeah. I'm here for that. I think I think Ginny is an underappreciated asset. Not as underappreciated as Kaylee Ray these days who is persona non grata on any show. Perhaps not even as underappreciated as Tony Storm, two minutes in. Uh, let me do a quick aside about this. Yes, two minutes for, <laughs> for Zelina Vega and Tony Storm. And Tony Storm is doing the most cringe, child of the 80s reference heavy thing that they can do. Her mom, her mom liked 80s rock and roll. So all she's going to do is make 80s references, which, hey, look, I love me some 80s references. It's just, and then Liv Morgan and Carmel, not only, they were originally supposed to be the historic first match of the Queen of the Crown Tournament, or whatever the hell they're calling this. But that went, what, a minute and some seconds? And while I like Carmella, Liv needed something <laughs> if I'm ever going to take her seriously again and it keeps on looking like they build her up and they just cut her knees out from under her every single time I'm not the biggest Liv Morgan fan don't get me wrong but if you see something in her do something with her yeah that's like it, it's weird I don't know that I see anything with Liv Morgan but Clearly, there is some sort of internal struggle where there are some people who do see something with Liv Morgan making decisions backstage and other people who do not feel the same way. And, like, it's just weird to see it play out with her week to week, basically. 
And while we're on this, just uh, I'll, I'll use this for mine. I have a few other notes on here uh, for other things, but uh, the Dana Brooks segment on Raw. Look, I know that here's the problem. I can't separate the fourth wall from this. I can't separate this being Vince McMahon, quote unquote, sending a message on commentary or it being part of an angle, the kind of which never gets over. The, the you're a loser, you suck. It either ends up being she gets a win, but then it never culminates in anything, or she gets a repackaging, which makes her look stupid. It, it never ends up turning into, say, Bailey in NXT, which was done well, where she went on a losing streak, and then she had to beat the other horsewomen to get to Sasha Banks to get to Brooklyn, which was really well done. They're never going to do that kind of thing with Dana Brooke. So this, look, I get that. Like, I remember Lanza had a, had a nice diatribe about this, about how in real sports, they, they criticize the people all the time, but that's a real sport where people are doing real things as opposed to a predetermined type of choreography. And, and it's one of those things where I don't well, know. I, I mean, it's, there's also a certain way that commentary is done in real sports that all of us who follow the business with any degree of closeness know that commentary is not like that, especially not in WWE's product. Like you, you aren't just given five to seven minutes to vent it out. This is not, you know, if you're watching WCW, in the 1990s on the B show and Bobby Heenan's on commentary. Yeah. He might just do like a, you know, a piss take on somebody for five minutes in like an inconsequential match. And he'll just like crap on some like mid card talent. Sure. You might actually get that on a show like that. Ventura, same way. Uh, You're not going to get that on a WWE show because Vince is monitoring everything. So when you get this sustained, Dana Brooks is underperforming. She's not living up to expectations. She seems like she's got a lot of talent, but where where is it in the ring? Um, that is, those are commentary notes, and those commentary notes from, come from a certain direction. Yeah. Um, Joe Gacy and Ikaminjiro. <laughs> Have you fallen yeah. in love with Joe Gacy yet? Oh, yeah. He really speaks to me, Jeff. Uh, he speaks I, the, to your generation. And- yeah, no, he, he really does. <laughs> I, like, again, it, it's like they don't really know what they're doing with this gimmick because, like, frankly, most of the people who watch WWE television are millennials or older. So making your heel character a millennial, like, who is this Gen Zer who is coming to beat up Joe Gacy? Spoiler, they apparently have not settled in on that yet, um, which is why he's going up against other millennials like Ikemanjiro. Um and, and, and Jiro's guy who I, I think this character is a little too goofy, but I could almost see this character working for WWE's audience. But Wait, what is have- his character? Guy who wears jacket? And he he's he's he likes to have fun, Jeff. <laughs> you son of a! Let's see how it plays out. <laughs> you just gotta see how this stuff plays out. Oh, you should have done Canny for that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Canny loves he, he loves to have fun. Oh, I almost yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost dropped an expletive on this show when you told me that. I, I was so <laughs> mad when you said that. Because that's his his gimmick is guy who wears jacket who has 
who has he likes to smile fun. and have a good time yeah that's a winner i like to smile i, I like to have a good time i hate both i hate fun and i hate smiling i know trisha tells me wow your yeah. turn arn anderson we have heightened the ridiculousness of this angle and i loved every second of it he is in cody's backyard like a hobo with a trash can fire going for no explicable reason. Somehow has gotten a hold of some of Cody's clothes to make this even more ridiculous and more fun. Cody is relaxing at home in a three-piece suit because it's after eight o'clock. And what is he a farmer to quote the great Jack Donahue from 30 rock. We see him up in the upstairs. I was like, I almost thought it was a mistake at first. And then he comes out saying, Arn, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm just burning your clothes. So Cody comes down <laughs> and Arn just starts reading him the riot act about getting soft and all this other stuff. And then, then the, the, the one thing I loved was the uh, asking for that ridiculous pink tie. Because that those things, that's that's such the douche move to have a pink tie like that. And I just what I wanted Cody to say something like, you know, this is a Father's Day present for my kid. <laughs> you know, my 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 daughter gave me this or whatever. The slap in the face was kind of cool. It's obvious though from from Cody's social media, at least he's gonna play it up that he's never turning heel. He's going to be a heel against some people because he's just going to be booed by the AEW fans. And he's going to be a baby face against some people, I guess. But Arn's ridiculousness in this segment, after, after talking about pulling a gun, of course he's setting fires in trash cans in the backyard. He just happens to be in the back of Cody Rhodes' backyard, hanging out. Cody, Cody, Cody. come out. Come oh oh now you notice me now that I'm burning stuff in your backyard. He needed a boombox playing in your eyes by Peter Gabriel. <laughs> like when Cody comes down, I, I want Arn to be like, Cody, I've been watching you sleep for the last three nights. Haven't you noticed? <laughs> Hold on, who is he? What? Max Katie from Cape Fear. He's, <laughs> he's on the fence. There's why there's fireworks going on in the background. <laughs> I, I I mean, we we think that the character turns with Cody. What if Arn is going like late aged and crazy? He now watches <laughs> you while you sleep. He burns fires of your things in your backyard. He pulls the Glock out in traffic. He's Michael Douglas and falling, falling down. down. <laughs> He's just lost it. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I just want Ar or I just want Oli to cross in the bed and go, dude, I thought I was crotchety and cranky. What have you become? Yeah, I I I'm I don't know. I, it was weird because I watched this sketch and I liked it. And then I watched the first 15 minutes of Roads to the Top, and I absolutely hated myself for watching it. Because QT Marshall goes on this rant about how wrestling is like sex. And it was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever watched. As, as I as I watch QT comparing men climaxing to <laughs> yeah <laughs> you should see Chris's look right now I can't I oh like I get this on audio I would but I can't mm. you have anything else 
Uh, n- not not on that. Arn Anderson no. likes to like watch you sleep. Um, <laughs> Indy Hartwell and May Ying. Uh, boy, this this was this this was actively not good. Uh, I, what is I, going I, on with May Ying? Is she just? Are they gonna phase out this character too? Because we got Zia Lee. Maybe they bring her up for Zia Lee on the main roster. Good lord. Because that's going to be some interesting stuff right there, how they treat Zia Lee up there. I know. I, I'm actually kind of baffled that Zia Lee is getting a main roster call-up given how her developmental run has gone. Uh, she has, to me, like if developmental was like a college course, she did not pass developmental. Uh, she very clearly needs to retake this course and uh, try again. Uh, I, I would not want to be in the ring with her. Uh, when she's throwing those kicks because those kicks have a lot of force behind them and not as much accuracy. I agree. I mean, ask Mercedes Martinez who can take that. She's going to be in the ring with people who might not be able to take it though. That's the thing on, is she on the raw or the SmackDown roster? Remind me. I th- I thought she was going to raw. I think she's going to raw and man, Selena Vega takes one of those kicks. That, that could be trouble right there, but this is, this is their move with international talent. They want, they cast, remember, this is a casting agency, so they're casting for type. They think Jinder Mahal and Veer and Shanky are going to expand their Indian off Indian audience. They thought Nakamura would expand the Japanese audience. Oh, Veer they're might. They're, they're going to have to, they're going to have to repackage Veer a little bit, but like Veer like actually, Veer. yeah, I, I, I actually, and, 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 you know, when you said they broke up Veer for Shanky, obviously push Shanky, push Shanky to the moon, main event Shanky. Uh, but Veer, uh, he, he like look, he he's has the, the talent. Out yeah, of the he's three a major. No, he's a major league baseball. But also like they did do that extended match with Veer a couple yeah. of weeks ago on Raw, and like he, he wasn't was a little bad. out of control on the Fez press, but I thought that was kind of cool at the same yeah. time. It looked like he was really throwing his body, and it got a little excited. And I know they don't. They don't like excitement. They want you to be able to do the same thing over and over again and be safe. But there was a lot of cool energy there that I liked out of him. And I think, I, yeah, I, they're never going to make him anything, but at the same time, you know, but, but he might get re he, this guy seems like a classic candidate for a repackage. Um, and I don't know. Like back to the point, Xia Li is being put up there to hopefully expand Chinese interest. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I, that would be that would be the hope. Um, I, I mean, maybe she'll invade Taiwan for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> WWE signs their first Taiwanese talent. <laughs> All of a sudden, Xiaoli's been recalled for some reason. Hmm, why is that? Uh, I will give WWE kudos for this booking. I think this is going to be in in Saudi Arabia, unfortunately, but. They finally did a proper use of Hell in the Cell. Edge, Seth Rollins should be Hell in a Cell. If you break into my house, I want the most vicious match you could possibly give me to do it. Good on you. If you didn't do a pay-per-view that just absolutely killed the stipulation, this would have been the best move they had done all year in terms of building a match to an actual stipulation type thing, I think. Uh, yes, I agree. I, I think that this this was earned. Um, I look that they, they did a nice job building this. I, I'm not, I'm not white hot on this particular angle, but I'm hotter on this angle than my next lazy river topic here, which is uh, 
the Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar uh, feud, which, I, I, <laughs> dude, like, I have completely lost the thread on the Heyman week to week at this point. I, 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 I know Roman's mad at Heyman, but I'm not even sure why anymore. He's like, testing uh, Heyman's loyalty is what he's doing, yeah. I believe. I feel like we've been doing that for weeks now. Now, what do you think the end game here is? Who do you think Heyman's actually with? I don't think that the writing has decided that yet, which Ooh. is what makes this um, which is what makes this boring. I don't know that it's actually decided. In the way they've been writing it, I, I'm not actually getting a clear clue. You think they're uh, hedging? And I they think they're hedging. Really... I think they've been writing this in a hedge format. Like this is like who shot Mr. Burns. Huh. Where they, they can reveal that it's Maggie Simpson at the end. Well, the funny thing is, it feels to me like he's going to end up with neither because neither guy is going to trust him. It's like, well, then where do, what do you do with Heyman? You fire the guy? You can't fire the guy. I say put him with Bailey, but they're never going to do that. He, put, he, puts, he, he picks up Drew McIntyre. Oh, God. Actually, you know what? I'm going out on a limb here. I think Drew McIntyre wins King of the Ring, even though he's not entered in it. Listen to this, because look at, look at the... Uh, I'll use this as a, as a lazy river topic. What the hell? Look at the, look at the board there. What I think you're going to get, you're going to get that Xavier Woods hope spot. Possibly. I think he wins. And I think Kofi probably beats gender, but I don't know that for a fact. Gender might win that match against Kofi. And I think if he does, I think gender ends up taking out Xavier somehow. And then they need a replacement. And I think drew ends up being a replacement. And then they can do the whole King of Scots thing with the sword and the crown and the imagery and stuff. Because I think on the other side, I'm not sure who's going to get queen, but it's either going to be Natty or Shayna. And someone made a good point to me this week that might not be Shayna because she is openly gay. And they may not like that in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So probably might be Natty. So I think it might be a baby face on the, on the men's side. And it might be King... Drew McIntyre. Uh, oh, I mean, I think that this means <laughs> we that stopped our panel. <laughs> no, no, this is this is the year that I think Natty gets that big push. Um, you know, God, uh, why? I mean, I like Natty. Good I'm enough, joking. But she's I don't. Okay. I don't think that that's happening. I, I think <laughs> that like if they no, if they do that with her, it will be this absolutely perfunctory one night. She's the queen of hearts, and now she's the queen of the ring, and then we never remember it. Um, or maybe it's some final accolades. You know what? Like, thank it's, you, it's, Natty. Oh, that's what it is. It's the thank you, Natty, so she can be first and go down in history. Yeah. For a ceremonial title that they eventually turn into a comedy gimmick all the time. So yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I, I mean, this, this. You know, Queen it, Tamina. It's like okay, right? I know. Like if it wasn't Natty, like Zelina Vega is the absolute type of person who would get the Queen of the Ring gimmick, and it's not for any good reason. Um, so uh, Leo Rush's new gimmick, I think, is a bit convoluted and <laughs> hard to follow. And Talking like junk bonds this week. Yeah, I, I. It's just it's like too much, man. It's too much. It's it's. It's beyond Cameron Grimes. Like, like, you know, Cameron Grimes, like made money on GameStop. Okay. Like people know about the GameStop story. I'm just, I'm angry about Cameron Grimes cock blocking our friends. I don't want to <laughs> more on TV. Thank you very much, but please continue with Leo rush. I, I just, I, I don't, 
I, I'm glad that we're now settling back into like more of the man of the hour stuff. And it seems like Leo's sort of easing off of stock talk with Leo Rush. Uh, and we're getting back to like the man of the hour and that sort of thing. I just, it, it's such a, the segment on Rampage with him and Dante Martin and, uh, and, and I'm going to call him. <laughs> I almost call him by his WWE name. What's his Matt uh, Matt Seidel? Yeah, I was gonna call him Matt Bourne, but it's yeah. Seidel. I almost call him Matt Bourne. <laughs> he is not Matt Bourne. <laughs> Maniac Matt Bourne. <laughs> not nearly enough cocaine in him to be Matt Bourne. Uh, the original Doink. For those of you who don't know who Matt Bourne is, or Big Josh from WCW time, if if you will. Uh, yeah, ha- having. <laughs> Hey, you need to prove yourself. Go out there against CM Punk. It's like, okay, I'll do it. It's like they made Seidel look like such a doofus in that segment where it's obvious Leo Rush is going to be a heel. Although I like the idea of Top Flight and Leo Rush as a trio. I do. I think that'd be kind of cool. Although it's a little too close to what they did with Private Party and Matt Hardy. Because I think you'd have to turn Top Flight heel and it's like, God, we just end up turning all these guys heel when top flight should be super over rock and roll express style baby faces in my estimation. I'm back. I'm back too. Okay. Save the rest of my recording, damn it. Uh, where did I cut off with you? Um, huh. Okay, I'll, I'll just go into part of that rant and see if I can edit it. If you're hearing this twice, it's because Zoom, the Chinese hated that I made a joke about Xia so they shut down Zoom. And now I'm, I'm t- I was talking about uh, top flight. It's my hope to get the kingdom of Saudi Arabia to come after me a little bit later. They tend to be a bit more hands-on with their approach. Oh, you don't know the Chinese government. Um. <laughs> I was talking about Top Flight and and Leo Rush and I, and and the idea uh, that they might be a trio down the road, which I think is cool. But at the same time, it's a little too close to Private Party and Matt Hardy. And I don't I, I don't think you want Top Flight to be heels. I think they're a good Rock and Roll Express style, fiery babyface team. It's just that Seidel looks like such a doofus in this in this angle where it's like. Leo's playing him like a fiddle and it's obvious he's playing him like a fiddle and, and he's, he's just acting like a stupid baby face in my opinion. Yeah. And, and the problem too, I think with, with Seidel is that like, we know he's a veteran. So it's like, it, it makes him seem like actually like purely stupid, not naive, but like dumb. Like you've been around the block, dude, you don't know better. Uh, and I tend to think like Leo Rush's more natural fit would be with the acclaimed, right? Yeah. That wouldn't be a bad team either. No, it wouldn't. The three of them. Actually, I, I still yeah. think he ends up with uh, the men of the year. I think that feels like a natural fit as well. Man of the hour at the men of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I used my, my, my last thing, which was the joke about Cameron Grimes and that thing. Do you have anything else? Um, Let me see here. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash stink. Uh, this this is a tag team that's got nothing to it. It it, it will not have. Is it anything. getting? Hold on. It, we think it's nothing because we are fans and we hate stupid stuff. Is this a WWE gimmick that's getting over? That's the question. Uh, is Nikki? I, I I go back and forth. Is the Nikki Ash character actually over? I don't know. 
I don't know. Because well, she's got really because she got booed on this singles run when she was doing that with the title. But in this, in this, you know, in the RK RK girl, uh <laughs> RK Rhea, whatever, whatever we're gonna call this. It's basically RK bro, but with, with the women. Is, is it getting over? Is Rhea actually helping her get over here with the with her being the uh, put upon straight person for Nikki? I feel like it's not actually helping Nikki get over that, but the Nikki's not dying because she's Rhea's buddy. But like the character is that the Nikki Ash character is annoying and slightly deluded, and Rhea Ripley is the down to earth, grounded, straight person. Yeah. Uh, I'm ready to wrap it up if you are. Um, let me see if there's anything else that I want to hit there's on. There's nothing pressing for me. Um, God, this Goldberg angle stinks. I, yeah. I, just, I, I don't care. Um, but, you know, he's going to Saudi Arabia, which, you know, if you wanted to kill somebody, Saudi Arabia is a good place to do it. <laughs> Wrong with us this week. Oh, we'll end there. Follow me at Crap Game 13. You follow Chris at DWATG. We'd like to thank my bookie. Use code ROPES. Double your deposit. If you just want to follow the show, at Shake Them Ropes, all one word. I basically retweet when the YouTube video gets out there because that's usually quicker. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling family. You can watch the show and how we video and just the looks we give each other when we say weird things from time to time at voice at youtube.com slash voices of wrestling. DWATG stands for Don't Worry About the Government. That's Chris's other passion project. Chris, tell us about your podcast, please. Yeah. Hey, if you want guitar lessons, you can get guitar lessons. Get guitar lessons like the stars. Uh, hit me up at DWATG. You can get the reasonable. I listen to Voices of Wrestling uh, price, which is uh, a slight little discount, a little listener discount. Um, hit me up at DWATG. You can go to patreon.com slash DWATG to check out. Don't worry about the government. I just taped a 75-minute monologue show here on Wednesday where I cover, Jeff and I were talking about China and Taiwan. I do a whole seg on China and Taiwan, talk about the uh, budget bill um, and COVID-19, the vaccine. The anecdote I didn't do earlier in the show because I thought it was like a little too political. You can hear that there. It's like, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes or whatever. So uh, you can get all of that over at patreon.com slash DWATG or on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. Subscribe to Don't Worry About the Government there. We'll see you next week. Bye.